Okay, here we go. Sasha, we've started. <laughs> thank you for joining me, by the way, tonight. So, Sasha, Hi, thank you correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're actually got an artistic background as well. Is that correct? No, no, not that much background. It's it's a hobby uh, which I, you know, I left the I left full time work and you know I've always wanted to do it. Then I started doing it. I was I even went and studied for a little bit for a few months. Um, and uh, you know that's just hobby I was doing before COVID. I was very happy <laughs> in a great life. <laughs> I know. And so, the, th- the thing uh, is, and yeah, and I, I, we were just. Medicine is meant to be an art as well. It's not yeah. a hard science. It's an art. Surgery is an art. I get to draw on my patients. It's quite creative. Yeah. When I was doing some work experience as a student, my professor said to me, I'm like Michelangelo. And I looked at him. I was only 16. I had no idea what he was talking about. And he was, <laughs> he was like, look, son, this scalpel is the paintbrush. This paint, the blood is the paint. This surgical field is the canvas. And um, this is, I am Michelangelo. And this in front of you is a work of art. (laughs) And everybody in the theater started laughing. And I just was, I I was very confused. (laughs) But anyway, moving on. We, We both have some artistic commonality here, but... We're here to talk about something else. And um, you've also got an, a background in pharma, pharmaceutical research. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I worked in the industry in pharma, um, a little bit in medical device, but mostly in pharma R&D uh, for all my career, basically. What do you mean pharma R&D? Can you name any companies or is it all confidential? Uh well, the companies were my own. Uh, I mean, I worked in consultancy for uh, at the beginning, uh, and then uh, after that, I started my own companies. And uh, but th- these were contractors that do, you know, the pharma companies do not do anything themselves. And so there's I've a heard whole this. huge industry I've heard of contractors. Everything yeah, is so, outsourced. <laughs> so. It's all outsourced, yeah. And so it's the the entire industry is it's called contract research organizations, and they do all sorts of things. Uh, you know, the whole supply chain. And I was, you know, in the data collection analysis from clinical trials and submission to the FDA. So I got to work with a number of pharma companies. About you know sixty or so different ones were my clients, and uh, on hundreds of clinical trials, and also worked with FDA and some European and some Japanese regulators. Yeah, have you heard of some called Headley Reese? Uh, yes, yes, we yeah we've we've, we've chatted and uh, you know, I talked to him. I know him. We kind of interacted on emails and stuff. He's a fascinating chap as well. He talks all about the supply chain and the production behind drugs. And he's explained mm-hmm. to me as well how fragmented and outsourced the whole pharmaceutical industry is. I used to think you had these big pharma organizations, a big factory, and they did everything. Actually, they don't. It's just a brand mm-hmm. and they outsource everything. It's very fragmented. I, I had no idea it was like that. So tell me, you've become quite a controversial yeah. figure. Tell me what's so controversial. What <laughs> Everything's controversial. I'm controversial. Um, tell me, yeah. tell me, what made you suddenly controversial? Do you think? 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, I didn't know I was controversial. Um, the, so, <laughs> I, I mean, the, 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 the reason I'm speaking up is because it, especially at the beginning, nobody would, in, from my profession, nobody would speak up. And the, and the violations were so obvious that, you know, it just, it still horrifies me that there's only like a handful of us that, that spoke up, including Mike Eden and, well, Hadley. Uh, and, uh, there's maybe, you know, I, I know of fewer than 10 people from my industry that have pointed to the same issues and the same problems. And, uh, no, uh, nobody else seems to be able to bring themselves up to actually like recognizing it. Before we explore what you mean by these issues, can I just say something? I think I know what you're talking about because I've seen one or two of your interviews. And for the sake of the audience, I really want you to expand on this. But I want to tell you, mm -hmm. you're not alone. It's funny because I feel mm -hmm. the same as you. You know, there's 280,000 mm -hmm. doctors in the UK. And I think I know less than 10 who are speaking up and questioning, you know, the fact that there's been a violation of medical ethics, of informed consent. And I feel, I feel mm -hmm. quite lonely actually. And it's, and, and then lawyers mm -hmm. come up to me and say the same, the lawyers, there's very few lawyers who are speaking up. It seems like in every yeah. profession, most are going along with the narrative and very few are speaking up, which I find strange in itself because in society, in, in normal times, there's always a diversity of opinions, <laughs> but on mm -hmm. in the last few years, been, there's been so much conformity, which is in, really quite bizarre and strange. So can you, so don't worry, I'm alone and you're alone. <laughs> so tell me what made you question and why are you different from your colleagues? What made the alarm bells ring up and what are you concerned about? Yeah. Well, uh, part of it, uh, the, the alarms were right from the start, the, when they started suppressing hydroxychloroquine, uh, remember, so at the beginning, actually, like first couple of months of the so-called pandemic, let's say February, March, April, even, you know, in March and April, there were few first studies started coming out from France, um, Dr. Didier Raoul, who was running these clinical trials, and there was some good results in hydroxychloroquine you know, treating patients with COVID. And at that time, you know, they, they were in the new, in the normal news. I wasn't, you know, so awake, you know, I wasn't awake. I was a normal person. I had retired from the industry. I was just doing my own thing. And then, you know, this, this thing starts and they started, started the lockdowns, which was so bizarre. And then, uh, but I wasn't, you know, concerned. We were, yeah, I wasn't very concerned. We, we were like, we were about to move to our new house in um, Nevada and we came to our holiday place in Napa Valley and then the lockdown happened nice. and we're like, oh, we're locked down, we're locked down <laughs> in Napa Valley. What, you know, it's so great. The weather is wonderful. There are flowers Lots everywhere. Lots of wine. Hiking and biking. Lots of wine. Like, you know, there's, it was, it was just like minor, you know, inconvenience, in inconvenience. and we don't have yeah. TV. So, yeah. We don't watch the news. So we're like, who cares? And then, you know, I, I read somewhere, you know, the studies were obviously published somewhere in the mainstream. So I, I just like saw the studies from DDR Old. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's treatable. Wonderful. Great. You know, it'll be over in a couple of weeks and so, so forth. And then they start this whole suppression, like this, they immediately started suppressing hydroxychloroquine. Then they prevent uh, physicians from prescribing it, which is like, 
Oh, I mean, you know, as a doctor, it, 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 it's a approved drug. It's been approved for decades. Yeah. You, yeah. you can prescribe it off label, you know, and then they come down and they start actually prohibiting it and the governors start prohibiting it. And then the pharmacies won't uh, it dispense. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I was like, what, what's going on? So that, that concerned me mm. way more than any, anything about COVID or epidemics or anything. I was like, wait, mm. <laughs> you know, this is a bad, bad thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's from then on, I started like paying much more attention and trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And, and, you know, that whole you know, journey started of me becoming a, a spokesperson for this thing. But I, I'm like, why am I it? <laughs> you know, why is nobody else? you know, noticing this. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was quite a lonely time for a lot of us, actually. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. else were, was of concern to you? Well, yeah. So that's, uh, so the, 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 the whole campaign of hydroxychloroquine suppression kind of opened my eyes and I, and I, and then, uh, then they start talking about, the, you know, it becomes even worse because they, they start talking about these MRNA uh, mRNAs as a vaccine. And I was like, what? You know, that was like another one, another level of hell, you know, because, uh, the, um, I, I knew about the mRNA platform from my work in pharma. Right. And I, you know, well, it wasn't like my area of focus, but I did, you know, I, I worked across all therapeutic areas because my area was safety and safety applies to everything. So yeah. safety was done in standard way regardless of like which which therapeutic area you're in and so at some point in time i i ran across that platform and there was actually a huge scandal um that happened in the uk uh around i I forget the year 2008 or 9 or something like that and uh there was there was a, a phase one clinical trial in paracel uh, a Paracel uh, contract research organization, their own unit. So they ran phase one trial and it was a small trial in uh, health, like was eight healthy men, which is typical of a first in human study. Right. And they killed like one or two of them right away. And uh, uh, the rest were seriously injured. Uh, and I don't know if they survived actually, because it didn't look very good. And what was this uh, drug for? And uh, this was mRNA and this was, um, so at that time, so that, and that was phase one. So like in phase one, you don't even, even have indication yet, or you may be working on multiple indications, but you have to do these standard studies before you can even start going into patients. So they're all done in healthy volunteers. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and this was such a huge scandal all over the industry, uh, that I, read about this class i was like what is it like i is this never happened before and mm. uh you know so i read about it and and you know and i was like whoa this has so many problems especially after this happened you know that's you know typically the whole thing gets terminated and nobody ever touches it again right so i was like well this was never gonna go anywhere and uh and also i looked and it was it was deve- being developed for very severe conditions such as terminal cancer huntington's um, some, you know, very severe indications where, you know, typically, yeah, if, if the indication is super severe, first of all, it's a very small niche. Second of all, it's like, okay, the, the risks, you know, risks are more justified, you know, and I, and I was like, well, if it's like 
a replacement of uh, some toxic chemotherapy in a terminal cancer patient, maybe it's justified to develop something yeah. risky like this. But but after so many deaths happened, and I, I was like, it's not going to go anywhere. I don't have to worry about this class. And I forgot it. I, like, I put it out of my mind. Yeah. Then yeah. then they bring, then this comes here. Oh, you know, it's a prophylactic vaccine. Everybody, you know, it's for all all uh, population groups, and especially they get this propaganda campaign into pregnant women. Yeah. It, you know, that was for me. And at that time, I believe uh, Dr. Mike Eden and Wolfgang Wodarg, they wrote this letter, which I also saw. Then you know, I was already on the <laughs> I went on alternative social media. And I, I was following my kid and then he wrote this letter specifically talking about, you know, the pregnancy, that the fact that it's going to sensitize, uh, that it's very, very, um, analogous, uh, to key proteins in, in placenta and that it's going to cause miscarriages and, and fetal abnormalities. He turned out to be exactly correct. Yes, it, it does do that. Now we know, just unfortunately, just, sadly. Just- just to clarify, Mike Yeadon is a former executive of Pfizer, isn't he? Pfizer, yeah. He's he's uh, he's based in the UK, and uh, he was former executive of Pfizer. Also retired, had his own startups, sold them. So, I mean, similar story as my my own. Mm. And uh, I, you know, I I don't think I, I I worked with Pfizer. Pfizer was my client for a long time. I don't think I actually ran into my kid and during my career, but I, I knew of him. So the name right. w- was brought up at some point. He might have been even, we might have been on some conference calls together, but I just don't right. remember. And, uh, but I know him now. I mean, we, we've interacted as well since then. And, uh, and, you know, so he was very, very vocal right from the start about this issue and many other issues. And it turned out to be absolutely right on the money about this. Uh, but at that time, you know, he started talking about it and, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's totally true. I know, you know, I, I looked at this, this is very dangerous. This was one of the risks and now it's being pushed into pregnant women, into healthy people, into children. This was just a disaster. It's a disaster. It's like, it's like they take the most toxic chemotherapy you can imagine and start pushing it on everyone in the, in the society. It was the same thing in my mind. Crazy. Can yeah. I just can I can I just clarify? I've read something mm-hmm. and I just want to hear it from someone who's been in the pharmaceutical industry. Is it correct that mm-hmm. the mRNA technology was initially designed for cancer treatment? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And is it correct you, that you, no, nothing had come to market apart from maybe one mRNA drug for cancer treatment? Is that right? It's not even for cancer. So only, and there is no mRNA drug. There, there was only one drug that was on the market. Um, sorry. Uh, only one drug on the market was, uh, on Patro and it's, uh, it's a short interference. So it's, it's a very small, um, molecule of RNA, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. something like, I forget, less than 100, uh, nucleotides in, le- in length, very small like a fragment of RNA and it's for a severe, like rare genetic condition where with liver, rare genetic liver condition, because this thing goes into the liver preferentially. Uh, So, and so that's the only thing that was approved. Uh, So completely different because this, the the, the mRNA is very, very long. It's uh, 4,300 
nucleotides. So it's huge molecule, very, very hard to work with. They have never proven that they can actually manufacture them because they're so unstable. The, the, the larger the molecule, the more sta- unstable it is. And you can't, like it will degrade throughout the manufacturing process, through transportation. So that, so, and there's still questions. So, 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 so just, just to clarify, there was never a viable mRNA successful product prior to the rollout of the COVID, va- COVID vaccines? Nope. Nope. Never. Not a single one. Mm-mm. So clear. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Surely that by definition means that the mRNA jabs were experimental. Oh yeah, they're legally experimental still. Uh, the, Sorry, so. the the. But when when I say not- they're experimental, I get fact checked and I get told your mm-hmm. conspiracy theories they're they're not experimental. I still think they are experimental. Are they experimental? Well, so it, it so people need to understand uh, the legal structure. So that's where we're, you know, it's a longer discussion. Mm. It's a little bit differently handled in the U.S. versus outside of the U.S. But I'll, I'll give you the U.S. picture first. They so the, this whole language it's it's very deceptive language that's being used. The main problem or the main crime is actually the crime of lying to the public about mm. the legal status of everything that's ongoing, including these shots. So so that's the main crime. In fact, the you know, everything is done on paper legally, but nobody's explained that structure to anyone, to any any anybody in the public. And so it's essentially a kind of a bait and switch strategy that's being used. Deceit. And so well, explain the, it explain it then. Yeah. Talk me through it. Yeah. So again, I'll I'll tell you how it is in the U.S. because that one I know very well because I've researched it extensively. There are different different flavors of this outside of the U.S., but they're kind of similar. So in the U.S., um, what's being utilized is a uh, is uh, six pieces of U.S. law that were put in place over a long period of time. There's six critical components. I'm not going to cover all of them, but just to suffice to say that they go back to the 60s. So this was pre-planned way, way, way ahead of time. Uh, so the, the first one is the bio, bioweapons, biodefense convention that all the countries signed up to. That was in the late 60s. The second one is in the 80s, where in the US, they introduced this concept uh, of public health emergency. And that concept is used you noticed throughout the whole world. That's how they started this whole they have that's that's what they call this whole thing. The COVID is public health emergency or public health emergency of international concern. And that was declared in by the WHO and then subsequently very quickly declared by the governments all over the world. Now yeah. to enable to, to to be able to declare something like this as a government, well you have to have a law on the books that says that you can. Mm. Uh, in, in the United States, we never had a concept of public health emergency until the eighties when this law was introduced. Mm. Uh, our constitution supposed to be absolute. It's supposed to guarantee, uh, you know, the, 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 the 
checks and balances, the three branches of the government, the human rights, the yeah. Bill of Rights. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of amendments that say, you know, the Fifth Amendment that says, you know, the government, this due process, the government can de de deprive you of, of property or, or, or life. Uh, yeah. And so we have all these things. The Constitution is very, uh, and it's a supreme one of the law, and all the laws need to conform to the Constitution. Yet this public health emergency was on paper made equal in status to the war. To the declaration of war. Oh wow! And in the declaration of war, which is supposed to be, you know, a temporary condition, yeah, th that's when the constitution gets suspended because now you have to, you know, fight some enemy, right? So they introduced the concept of public health emergency, which did not exist in the United States until the eighties. It was not a thing. Public health emergency was not a thing. Was not possible. Definitely wasn't wasn't a mechanism to suspend the constitution, yet they wrote the law in such a way that if you announce a public health emergency, constitution gets suspended. Oh, wow. Because it's it's the same as, as war, well, legally. Some would argue so they announced, we are, some would mm -hmm. argue we, we have been at war. Exactly. War the people. So this is this was this was a declaration of war from WHO, a declaration of war by all the governments that did that because they all have that law in the books. There is wherever they announced all that, you can check and you and if you read that, you will see that it has the same effect. You know, the same effect as declaration of war. It suspends any any semblance of constitution that any other country has goes away. You have this declaration. So the first wow. lie, they said, COVID, it's an illness. It's a respiratory virus jumped from, I don't know, bats. And, uh, you know, therefore, it's a public health emergency where the truth was, we're announcing war, all of us. Right. Okay. It has nothing to do with viruses or bats. Uh the, the the then the, then the the next level is in the U.S. Uh, that's where the, <laughs> the vaccines come in. They announce um, uh, there are declarations that they make for uh, the the Health and Human Services Department, which is like the like like health ministry. So Health and Human Services Department, they make declarations for PrEP Act. So they have this PrEP Act, which is a liability, removal of liability, a very, very thorough removal of liability for anyone who uses emergency use authorized countermeasures. So that's another key word that, again, they, they really went out of their way to hide that word for a long time. Although, again, it was on the books. It was always in the federal register. They they made declarations with that word, but in the public, in the media, in any marketing materials that they distributed, they never mentioned that this was a countermeasure. They said it's a vaccine, and they said it's safe and effective vaccine. So it's but a safe countermeasure. And yeah, are you surprised by that word? Yes, it was there. Like a very military. It was. It sounds like a. Yeah. It sounds like a military term, countermeasure. Yes, it is a military term. It's a military term which uh, can uh, denote absolutely anything. You know, a countermeasure can be a lock on the door from breaking in. It can be, you know, if somebody attacks you, throw, you throw a rock at them. That's a countermeasure. Uh, so absolutely anything used in war, 
which anything can be used in war, uh, is a countermeasure. So it's so a hold very on broad sec. and uh, completely. So hold on one sec. What 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 had who was using the word countermeasure? Well, the governments and uh, the especially the you know the Western the NATO alliance governments they have uh, a countermeasures initiative consortium or collaboration so anyway there is one between the us and europe and uk and australia and canada they all have harmonized in fact i had uh, so i know the countermeasure provisions in the us i was curious what was being done in the eu and a german lawyer has traced uh, the rel- the relative laws in the eu for countermeasures and they're very very similar so they and then they, and they were also put in place uh somewhere between 2012 and 2018 in that time period uh US and Europe and uh Australia and Canada they all harmonized these countermeasures uh consortia part, public private partnerships in all the laws very made very consistent so that they can all do this against health for health reasons for health reasons, yes. Countermeasures related to public health emergencies right. and public health emergencies of international concern and also removal of liability for use of countermeasures. So all of that wow. got put in place between 2012, 2018, and all these territories all got harmonized. It's very, very the, similar. This is all sounding very premeditated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, so, so that's what people don't realize that 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 these what, what when they say safe and effective vaccines, yeah, that's not a legal term. Like safe and effective drug or vaccine is actually that's a legal term. It's it has a legal meaning and has a legal status. There are a whole bunch of laws attached to how this is defined and determined, and none of them apply to these countermeasures because when they say safe and effective vaccines countermeasures. The safe and effective vaccines, it's plain text. It's not a legal definition at all. So, so you that, have to explain that's that. The, that's the main. But what do you mean plain text? Break that down. Sorry, I'm 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 very simple. These nouns and nouns and adjectives, they have no legal definition and no legal meaning. Safe and effective so, is a ridiculous uh, concept anyway. I'm I'm a surgeon and mm-hmm. there, you know, some patients will say to me, Isn't it just a, an operation? And I say, never say the word just. Every operation has potential risks. Um, I did a fellowship with a professor in Utah and every patient he would consent for surgery, he would say, there's no condition an operation can't make worse. Theoretically, that's an awful American accent. But basically what he was trying to say was every operation had the potential to leave you worse off than before. There's nothing 100% safe and effective and guaranteed. Only thing that's guaranteed is... Death and taxis. Well, yeah, but but that is using safe and effective in its legal meaning. Mm. Because he was, because exactly, in the legal meaning, safe and effective is never absolute. It always has downsides. Mm. You always have to give informed consent. You always have to describe both, you know, you have to describe the risks very accurately to the person. Yes. Because you're using it in the legal framework. You're using those words in the legal framework. Right. When you're using it outside of the legal framework, you can say safe and effective just as, as a matter of conversation. 
and it has, you know, you can exaggerate, you can, uh, yes. do whatever, and you, you don't have a risk. I, I, I would say safe and effective was used actually like an advertising slogan. Yes. Mm -hmm. As an advertising slogan, which is also in the legal framework for medicines prohibited. You know, there are very strict advertising rules that everybody has mm. to follow. Even when you have, you know, like in the US, they allow direct-to-consumer commercials uh, for pharmaceutical products. They Bizarre. still have, they, they have, yeah, US and I think New Zealand is the only places where it's allowed. Yeah. So, but even in that setting where it's allowed, it's also very strictly defined and you have to spend so many seconds out of the commercial or percentage of the commercial discussing the risks. That's why they're doing it in like in a very fast language, but they still have to do it. So just to explain right? to the listeners, what you're saying is only in America and I think New Zealand, pharmaceutical companies mm -hmm. can put up adverts on TV and radio and say, hey, buy this statin or buy this mm -hmm. blood medication and it's amazing and look at us. Uh, and it's very mm -hmm. strange because nowhere else in the world can you do that. You, you can't get advertising of drugs um, on the, the TV and the news. It's just, it's not allowed. It's illegal. You have to get it from a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and and then, yes, mm -hmm. you're right. I've been in the States when they, at the end, they go, blah, 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 blah. And you may die and you may vomit up blood. And it's all very quick, <laughs> but they're basically covering their yeah. backsides. <laughs> but they still have to do it because legally, again, have you do. have to discuss the risks and you have to provide yes. informed consent and so even in that in that really bastardized way they still <laughs> yes. have to follow the law right yes. but here notice notice when they all went on tv there was none of that blah 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 and we'll also kill yes you. there's you know? no disclaimer take this <laughs> no experimental jab because... and you may die but it's safe and effective they, they never did that it they just said it's safe and effective no. and if you questioned it you're a conspiracy theorist and you're a misinformation spreader yeah, and in fact, they they were it's hundred percent effective. You will you will not die. You will not spread COVID. Remember, they 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 made outrageous lies. Yeah, and yes. there was no why because none of those laws applied to these things to the countermeasures, and that was the lie because they told people these are pharmaceuticals, these are vaccines. They were approved by the FDA or MHRA, uh, rigorously reviewed. Clinical trials were done. So people all think we are in this regulated space where there is consumer protection. Sasha, and can you break up? Applied. Sorry to break your, your flow here, but just mm -hmm. clarify again for the simpleton here. What is, a, what is a typical vaccine and why are these mRNA jabs not a vaccine? Well, again, I'm, I'm talking about from a legal standpoint, not necessarily from mechanistic. You know, we can address that too. But from the legal standpoint, vaccines are part of the pharmaceutical products that are regulated by uh, the respective regulatory agencies in different countries. In the US, it's FDA. In the UK, it's MHRA. Uh, EU is EMA and so forth. And so they all have mandate to regulate and ensure consumer protection of uh, pharmaceutical products and food and some, you know, color additives and so forth. Uh, and the vaccines is one of the categories. Uh, in, in the U.S., it's categorized as biological products, um, biologics. In fact, that act was, you know, over 100 years old. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and they have regulatory requirements. So you have to, as a manufacturer, you have to apply 
to the regulator to start trials of this product. Uh, you have to do clinical trials. You have to prove safety efficacy in clinical trials. And importantly, which everybody forgets, they have to demonstrate that they can manufacture them to the federal mm. regulatory standards of manufacturing, where you have to demonstrate that everything that you tell is in your is in your product, is in your product in those quantities that you specify in every vial, every shot, every pill, every every all the time. And that's so quality control. Yeah, it's quality control. Controlled. Yeah, right. And and very, so that's from very, uh, very tight tolerances. So this is a legal and yeah. definition and a regulatory kind of overview of the vaccines. It's un. It's a it's a biological product. It has to be proven to be working. It has to be proven to have been put through rigorous trials. It has to be proven to have strict quality control production. And what you see on the mm -hmm. label is what's in it and, and you, it's transparent, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So how are these, so that we haven't even gone about the mechanistic point of view. We're just talking about the legal and mm -hmm. regulatory framework of mm -hmm. what a vaccine would be. So how, how does this differ, these COVID jabs? Well, this differs as none of this applies. Legally, none of this is required from countermeasures because the definition in the law that uh, the the only criteria for their deployment, which means complete, you know, selling through the entire uh, territory of the United States, is that the secretary of HHS thinks himself, one person, thinks that they may be effective. Who's Nothing HHS? else. That's the only thing. HHS, Health and Human Services. So, or the Ministry of Health in the UK. So the Minister of Health Right. By himself, thinks that these things may be effective, and they go on the market. There's no other criteria. And does does anything have to be shown or proven or evidence or no. data? What no, about says, going to the you know, What about going to the FDA and proving to them nothing like that? No, FDA has no mandate over these these products. They don't regulate them. They literally do not regulate them, and. And they can't, they, they, it's, it's, it's not in part, there's no, there's no definition, no criteria. It says, so the law says specifically, uh, the, the use of EUA uh, authorized countermeasures is not a clinical investigation, which means that you cannot have a clinical trial for these things by, by law. And then also in terms of the deployment where, you know, HHS secretary or the minister of health decides they say well they, he can make this his decision based on uh scientific data available if available so it does not have to be available and the, and his decision is based on his consideration whether these products may be effective for this condition today and in the future i think something similar like this ha has happened in the mhra the mhra mm -hmm. aren't able to prove that their their job is to regulate drugs and medical biological products but i don't think they've actually tested anything they're, they're meant to test everything mm -hmm. and make sure it's safe but they've not tested this they can't prove that it's safe no. am i right yeah that's correct so in in the uk the same exact thing happened so the uh in fact somebody published on this uh on substack a while back i i read it and they found that uh it was the same exact situation that the Minister of Health at the time, whoever that was, I forget, 
that's how the decision was made to deploy these also counter their, their countermeasures in the UK. And that's how they're, they're saying, you know, it was just deployment. It was not approval. It was not, no, there's no criteria. It's deployment because, you know, uh, uh, on his say so. Again, because as I said, the, all these laws got harmonized and, and they're very similar. In, in so from a legalistic, way, yes. Yeah. So you're saying? So, so and, and they also shipped uh, between the countries from military to military. From Department of Defense to the military of defense in the UK or in, in Europe. I, I know it for a fact. It's, these they are might, not in pharmaceutical distribution. But they might have said it was a crisis and a pandemic and the militaries are organized and logistics. So it was the most efficient way of doing it. How would you respond to that? Why is uh, established? What does military have to do with pharmaceutical distribution? We have extremely efficient, well established, very quick pharmaceutical distribution system all over the world. It actually also traces everything, documents everything. It's largely automated. Uh, why, why, why are we taking non-professionals and replacing the professionals with them? Mm. Again, you know, we, we're told we're we're told this is a public health event, yet it has to be handled by military. Why? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, I don't then know. We have the whole health industry. Okay, so from a regulatory and a legal standpoint, these weren't treated as typical vaccines. Do they work no. like typical vaccines? No, and and typical vaccines don't work either. But you know, putting that aside. <laughs> Uh, these, are, these are not vaccines at all. <laughs> like if you, so even I, if you believe in the traditional vaccinations, Sasha, Sasha, I'm going to say something very controversial. I've done a complete U-turn on on the vaccines. I don't want any vaccines for my children or my family. You can call no. me a full-on no, no. anti-vaxer. I I've read the book Absolutely. Turtles All the Way Done Down. Turtles All the Way Down is done and uh, written by anonymous people, and because if you were you know, named authors, they attack you. They attack the person, not the book. Mm -hmm. So they've stayed anonymous. And so mm -hmm. I would recommend everybody reads Turtles All the Way Down. And you see how flawed these old vaccine studies were. They were, they were so, they were just shams, basically. But even the oh, old yeah. vaccines, yeah. the old vaccines, the, the, the theory was you took an, an inert or damaged part of original virus and you put it in your body, your body would recognize it, create antibodies. And that's how these vaccines would work. And it's funny, vaccines are this weird, sacred cow in medicine and in society. Mm -hmm. You cannot question vaccines. So, for example, if I said to you, you know, safe and effective operation, everybody needs a safe, you know, and, you know, we should all operate. We should operate on children. We should operate on the pregnant women. We should operate on unborn mm -hmm. children. People, people would be freaked out. What the hell is this guy talking about? Yeah, let's cut everybody up. Everybody needs to have an operation every year to prevent, you know, mm -hmm. you, you. You need to have an operation so you don't give me this disease. You know, everybody should have this. You know, if you said something like that about surgery, you would be like crazy. And then I would say, even if you said that about a drug, Sasha, you need to take this drug so that I don't get depressed. People would be like, well, you know, everybody mm -hmm. should have this drug. Everybody should take this drug. It's safe and effective. Everybody laughing at you. But for some reason, vaccines are allowed to be, you know, treated like this. Vaccines are this mm -hmm. untouchable, sacred cow which I find bizarre. Surely 
everything should be questionable when it comes to patient safety. You know, you should be able to say, hey, is that is that okay? Is this all right? Is that working safely? Should we investigate this? But if you do and 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 talk about vaccines, you get vilified, you get censored, you get cancelled. I don't know if you know of Andrew Wakefield. You you are Mm -hmm. destroyed. Um, and that yeah. to me has set alarm bells ringing. Something is off the fact that you can't even question yeah. it. But anyway, so now you're saying these mRNAs aren't typical vaccines, even the traditional vaccines. Why is that? Can you, in a simple yeah. way, so, why are so they not what, typical vaccines? When you, if you compare them to the traditional vaccines, uh, yeah. the, the traditional vaccines are based on the whole, like the very traditional ones were based on the whole organism. So they were saying, oh, you know, we have this copy of the virus. Um, or bacteria. That's a whole like, or bacteria. That's a whole like different level of discussion. But, but for example, you know, bacteria, the vaccines for bacteria, when they started talking about, about uh, vaccines for bacteria, which was recently, it sounded like, totally crazy to me because, you know, uh, growing up, uh, again, I wasn't, you know, very deeply in the medicine, but, I, you know, I did study biology and I was like interested in those t- topics. And if you read all the traditional books, uh, you could not vaccinate for bacterial disease. It's not possible <laughs> because, you know, it's it's a different, it's, you know, it's a whole organism and uh, it's a different type of uh, a illness altogether. So like this whole vaccination for cholera, that's, it's idiotic in my, in my opinion, or plague because we have antibiotics and we have uh, sanitation measures, right? So those are the, those yeah. are the methods to vaccinate or public health measures against those yes. types of diseases are yes. number one, water sanitation. And number two, you have antibiotics. Uh, so that was just and when they you know said, oh, we have a, a vaccine for plague. And I'm like, he's just he's just nuts. Uh, and uh, so, but anyway, so 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 that so the, so in my mind, vaccinations were only for viruses, yeah, for viral illnesses. And again, you can talk about viruses for for another you know two hours, <laughs> but putting that aside, that was always like, yeah. okay, we have a copy of a virus, and and we grow it in in egg medium whatever some kind of a culture and then we expose you to a little bit and it's originally they were live then they were you know attenuated meaning like the dead ones so that we just kind of expose you to this little bit bits and pieces of it or you know dead version of it and so so that your immune system recognizes it you know so that sort of made some sense to me and i regret yeah. that i vaccinated Same. my children now but i did me too you know me too uh, and yeah. And, and now that I know what to look for, I see every family has a vaccine injured child and, and mine is also injured, not terribly, but it's a lifelong problem. problem. Uh, and so, so now I know it. I didn't know it until 2020. And now I, you know, I also did deep research and, and looked at the turtles and Same. Know, a friend of mine Same. And on on. on and Substack has now saying uh, Rockefellers all the way down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> anyway, uh, but but yeah. So so but even from the traditional vaccination standpoint, you're talking about like whole organism versus now these mRNAs are 
and and so the whole organism would never get into the cells, into your like never penetrate the cellular membranes. It was always like, okay, so you have a whole organism interacting with your whole system, but you're not getting into the cells. But this whole platform that they've been working on mRNA, they were always claiming, oh, we're, we can fix your genetic problems and we can fix the, you know, we can introduce this genetic code into the cell. And, and they also were claiming that they can also introduce it into the nucleus. And then remember they, for the, when, when they turned it into the vaccine, they said, Oh, no, no, it never does that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, that was, that, huh, that was a conspiracy. Have... That, that, that was a conspiracy theory that it could be written yeah, into your DNA. But, but if you read all their science papers, they all talk, all they talk about it is that. That it does get into the cells, that they can deliver it to different cells, that they can cross the membranes, they can cross blood-brain barrier, they can cross the placental barrier, like all these things that they can do. And now they're saying, no, 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 that doesn't do that at all. <laughs> so, so this is how it's radically different. So in summary, mm -hmm. traditional old vaccines, you took fragments of a vi virus so that your body would mm -hmm. recognize those pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and it wouldn't get mm -hmm. sick from it because it's damaged, broken down pieces. But your body would be like, hey, I know you. And then able to deal with you when it mm -hmm. actually came across the virus in real life. Um, but in this situation, mm -hmm. it wasn't that. What it was doing was this mRNA was meant to introduce a piece of genetic code that would make the body into a factory that would create the virus part. And your body would mm -hmm. then respond to that. So you, you in, in essence, became a factory for this virus spike protein. Now, what I find mm -hmm. strange was actually, the, spike protein, the spike protein is meant to be the, the dangerous part of this virus. Why would you introduce the, the genetic code to manufacture the dangerous part of the virus? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it never made sense to me either. And it's another thing that also Mike Eden, uh brought up very early on, that this was a bizarre design target. So when we talk about drug development, we talk about targets, you know, what kind of mm. target you're working on. And also typically competitors try to identify different targets because of the IP issues. And so the bizarre right. part was that all companies that working on it simultaneously somehow uh, figured out that this most dangerous part of the, uh, you know, of the virus is supposed to be their design target and all started working on the same target. Like it makes no sense from business perspective, makes no sense. IP perspective makes no sense from safety makes no sense. Um, but yeah, they all converged on this very, very quickly simultaneously. It's that conformity. So you had the, the messaging from the media across the board was the same. Um, you know, you mm -hmm. had the, the politicians all speaking the same language. You had the same lockdowns and measures across the board. You had all the doctors uh -huh. being censored and regulatory bodies saying the same thing. And and the now even the pharmaceutical companies were conforming and doing what's going on. It's one uh -huh. big mass conf, con, conf, confirmation going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, so they all did that uh, simultaneously. And also, yeah. So, so another thing that, uh, uh, my colleagues bring up, it's a little bit of a technical, uh, point, but it's important one. So again, like the traditional vaccine is what it does. And then this one, it's, it, you can't even call it a, a drug or vaccine. It's in technical terms, it's a pro drug. Pro drug meaning that it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a piece 
that then goes in yes. and then may, you know makes the the drug is made in your cells. So yes, yeah, so, so they make you affect pre drug, like a pre drug, but you know te- technical term is pro drug, uh, pro vaccine. Okay. So like right so, something precedes. So your your cells then become the manufacturing fa- factories. So they they hijack your cells, and uh, if you know anything in biology. Everybody is is unique and individual. You cannot you cannot reproducibly do this. Like it's not possible. Yes. Uh, it's just anyone anyone competent in. And again, that 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 drove me nuts. This whole thing that nobody other than like these five people that I know, uh, including Mike Eden and and uh, Robert Altman in in Australia. So it's like all all over the world. It's just a handful of us saying, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. This is not possible to do. This is against any law of nature, has never been demonstrated. You cannot reproducibly do this. You cannot reproducibly inject one dose into all the population and say that, oh, I can. I, this is all controllable and it, all wonderful. It will produce the therapeutic effect and will have no, no side effects. Like that, that just not, yeah. does not happen in nature. I mean, I've because I, Sasha, correct me, but I mean, forget the main Pfizer clinical trial that was published to the media before it even went to a journal. Let's go back. Even I've tried to find the animal studies. I could only see three, and it was they basically injected some of the SARS-CoV into the nostrils of some animals, washed out the lungs, looked for antibodies, and then they said, "Oh, look, there's antibodies have gone up, so it's effective." And then they killed all the animals. So I, I didn't see any biodistribution studies. I didn't see any study saying, oh, if we inject this volume of mRNA, this is how quickly it spreads. This is where it goes to the body. This is how much mRNA is made. This is how, how long it lasts. This is you know, how long mm-hmm. it will make the protein spike protein for. Um, whether there was any mm-hmm. variation in the levels of spike protein amongst the different animals. Yeah, they, they never did that. You know, uh, what the safe dosage yeah, I, was. I, actually, I, I, I don't remember seeing anything like this. Yeah, they did not do that. So I I reviewed the animal packages, actually, for both Pfizer and Moderna very extensively. I, I wrote a number of articles about it. Uh, I did get them. Like, ultimately, they were foiled. Uh, so it took about a year to get the Pfizer and then close to like a year and a half to get Moderna. Uh, and, uh, so they ultimately they did get FOIA, the HHS produced them, although not in, in the full complete package, but at least in the narrative summaries. So narrative summary is a module from the, um, biologics license application submission that manufacturer mm-hmm. themselves provide this like summary of our studies. You know, this is what the studies that we did. And these are the, the findings. And, uh, in both Pfizer and Moderna, they were just complete fraud. Like, Straight what do you mean? They, what do you mean? They, uh, they did not, they never studied. So like as a manufacturer, so this, this technically, this, uh, mRNA product is composed of two parts. One is mRNA itself. It's like the, the piece of code that they created on the computer and they can synthesize. So there's a piece of code, these 4,300 nucleotides lengths. Uh, and, and then that, because it's large and unstable, needs to be packaged into the lipid nanoparticle. So that's the second part. So you have this, uh, the payload is this code of mRNA 
and the vehicle is the lipid nanoparticle, a delivery mechanism to the cells. Uh, and so if you have something like this as a manufacturer, you have to study both parts of what, so the lipids are composed of like four different um, components for different chemicals. And then mRNA is by itself uh, uh, as, as a substance. So you have to study both parts and then you have to study them in, in final assembly, that mRNA, like mRNA one, two, three, four, and your lipid nanoparticle, and you put them together and then you study them in biodistribution. All those questions that you asked, like how, how it distributes through the body or what the uh, time course, when it washes out, uh, what happens if it accumulates in a particular organ, then do a specific toxic, study toxic for those organs. Toxic levels, toxic levels, yeah, excretion. Toxic levels, ex ex metabolism. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. And this is like a hundred studies that you have to do. Was uh, it done? So, no. So... What they did is they did like maybe 20 studies each and those yeah. studies were random BS. Like uh, the yes. mRNA, they never, they, 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 uh, like Moderna specifically, uh, like went around their offices, whatever was lying around, studies for all kinds of other mRNAs. None, nothing has, none, none of them have to do anything with the, with COVID. They were things that they studied in years prior that failed for Zika, what? for cytomegalovirus, for, yeah, for like, uh, uh, you know, other, like there was a dozen different mRNAs, not the one, not the, the mRNA1273, which is for spike vax, but all these other random ones. And they said, oh, they all apply. It's like, okay, if I worked on various drugs in my career, they all failed. Yes. Then I, yeah. I work on this drug. I go back and I collect all those things that failed yeah. and I submit it to the FDA and I say, oh, you know, this, this qualifies, you know? Uh, so that was so, one. So how the hell did that even get through? Because, because as I said before, these things are not regulated by FDA. All of that was just for show. All of that was just to check the box and tell to the consumers, oh, we did the clinical trials. But legally, they had no requirement to do it, and so they didn't do it. Uh, and and uh, it was that was that was the part of the de big deception. Then then the the biodistribution study they both did, but they didn't do it with their mRNA. They did it with another mRNA. Pfizer took uh, and Pfizer did it with the protein that's called luciferase, which is which is just the protein that like fireflies make and and jellyfish that glow in the dark. And uh, and that's just a tracer that they use oftentimes in um, drug studies because in animals because it, then it's easier to image because it actually does glow in the dark. Uh, and uh, and so so they they took that luciferase, packaged it into the lipid nanoparticle, and then did a study with that, not with their mRNA. It's, it's got a very so that's that, a, sorry. It's just your accent. I mean. It's a very unfortunate mm -hmm. name, but is is that the luciferase? Luciferase, Lucifer, yeah, it's as in Lucifer. The, the light. light, yeah. So, <laughs> but technically, it's the protein that's made by a, by a firefly. So, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's just unfortunate coincidence. Yeah, it, yes, unfortunate coincidence. Yeah. So, so that's what they used and packaged it in lipid nanoparticle, and then did the study. And the study showed that it goes into all organs. 
So what they told you, uh, you know, it stays in the arm, it doesn't. And then that was also a ridiculous claim for anyone who is familiar with injections of anything. (laughs) So can I just take a moment to clarify this? The reason why that's ridiculous, and when I heard it, I knew it was ridiculous. The reason we do intramuscular injections into the arm is so that it can get into the bloodstream quickly. And then once it gets into your bloodstream, it goes all over the body. (laughs) the the Mm -hmm. injection never stays in the arm (laughs) any drug that you give in the arm the reason why it works like a painkiller or anything is because it spreads around around the body you don't you don't give a painkiller injection in the arm so the arm feels better you you get it so your back feels better or whatever so it just so it's a way of bypassing your gut and getting into your bloodstream quicker Mm -hmm. so what i found crazy was that doctors weren't even questioning it they just kind of went along with it which was, which was bizarre. They, they absolutely went alone with the lie. So we knew it was going to distribute and it did distribute, you know, a year after the, the foyers and we got the data and we see it, it did get distributed. And in fact, it goes to the liver in large quantities. It goes to uh, adrenals, the lymph nodes, like on the side of the arm that got injected and then the opposite also. And uh, it goes to ovaries in females. Yes. Uh, testes in, in men testes in men yeah so all all of these critical organs and the brain fact, I, I think it goes to the doesn't it go in the brain as to well the brain yeah it goes to the brain so 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 they all show that this accumulate that it goes to different organs then sorry they does, did it cross, not even does, answer. does it does it cross the placenta it does close the, cross the placenta. So they did um, both of the both of the companies did the only. Oh, also another thing: all of those studies that they did, like twenty each, of which eighty five percent were for irrelevant test articles. Uh, all of those studies were non good laboratory practice compliant, which is another. It's just a huge. Sorry, you know, repeat. BS and can you fraud. repeat that? Re- repeat that again. All these studies were what? Sorry. A non-good laboratory practice compliant studies, uh, which is you're not good. supposed to non yeah. So you you're not supposed to use non-GLP studies for regulatory submissions, especially for new 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 products. You know, yes. So uh, for for completely novel products, you need to do all you know like this hundred studies, extensive rigorous safety package, and all of it has to be, or you know, let's say ninety percent of it has to be. A good laboratory practice compliant, meaning that it's done in a validated setting where the data is traceable, auditable, uh, that, that it's reliable and, you know, can be inspected by the regulators, it, all sorts of things. And, and, you know, then they submit this package and these are like non-GLP studies. Non-GLP, it's, it's like, it's a like random experiment, like, they, non-GLP studies are useful because they're much cheaper. You can do them quicker. You don't have to do all this extensive, rigorous compliance framework around them because you you want to experiment. You want to like find some things, do some hypothesis testing, you know, do it quick, and that's that's fine. That's the utility of it. But you can't that just. But then once you've done that and you found something that works, well, okay, now you have to do the GLP proper experiment, yeah. very yes. traceable and quality system, and then submit it to the regulators. That's that's the proper way to do it. You can't just like, ah, hey, you know, I just like whipped up something here. Anyway, so, but the only studies, both of them, just one study, both of them did GLP compliant was the reproductive toxicology study, which means that the data is reliable. 
And that, that showed that, yes, it crosses placenta barrier. It goes, uh, it, and it's also found in breast milk. And there were huge uh, rates of uh, miscarriages. And in Pfizer's, Pfizer studies were horrific. They, they showed not only um, uh, huge increases in miscarriages and deaths of litter, like entire litter died, uh they um they were also they also had very like a huge variety of birth defects so they were like these in animals one in animals and rats so one like one each or two but they were just bizarre, like spina bifida and and like the you know brain on the outside and stomach on the outside and you know just so so sorry sasha sasha so just Mm -hmm. to summarize are you telling me that these jabs these covid vaccines when given to pregnant women you're delivering an experimental drug to the unborn child yes yes absolutely Absolutely. And, and, and then they, they absolutely wanted to figure out. So Moderna, for example, specifically. This, this goes had, against, sorry. So, so this goes against medical ethics. This goes against the Nuremberg Code. Yeah. We never absolutely. experiment on children. We never experiment on pregnant women. We don't experiment mm-hmm. on unborn children. Yeah. But, but the pregnant women and babies are a specific target of these programs, both of them, because the, the Wait, contracts so which, that which, these companies... What do you mean by, what do you mean by both of them? Pfizer and Moderna? Pfizer and Moderna, yeah. And all the okay. rest of the vaccine. So, but Pfizer and Moderna, I, I reviewed the contracts. I reviewed, I reviewed the preclinical packages. I know it for, you know, fact. I can prove it in court. If we ever get into court, nobody will ever get into court. Uh, but, the the uh, they both specifically targeted and this the contracts came from the department of defense the department of defense specifically targeted pregnant women in in these uh in these programs they specifically requested glp compliance studies for the reproductive toxicity so they wanted to make sure that data is reliable pfizer tested three versions of their product in these uh in the rat study and selected the one that increased the miscarriages the most. Hold okay. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's too much yeah. there. There's too much. Hold, hold on, hold. First of all, what I, 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 you know, I looked you up and saw, you know, what's on the website, and there's all these full fact checkers and all this kind of stuff, and it says how you're misinformation and it debunks everything mm-hmm. and it says your claims about defense by the way i'm on full fact check as well so I, I don't, i've got that claim to fame as well i've been mm-hmm. fact checked um but one of the things to say is oh it's normal for defense um to contract for you know vaccines because troops abroad are exposed to diseases so they put contracts out and to help develop these drugs is this true mm-hmm is that correct? Well, I mean, defense can contract for anything they want. Uh, they want for the troops. Okay. But here we have the department. The only contracting entity is Department of Defense. Nobody else ordered it. Only Department of Defense. Okay. So no civil, so, no civil entity, no civil well, Ministry so of Health, were, Department of Health was asking the, the, for the HHS, this. H- yeah, HHS also issued contracts, but they were all parallel. Like, so for, so 
it's DOD, HHS, BARDA, they're all the same. So, so all of these companies received money from the Department of Defense. They all had to sign the defense contracts. In addition, there, there were contracts from HHS for the same thing. So they were like a harmonized DOD, HHS, yes. and they, uh, typically DOD would order large scale manufacturing and the HHS sometimes ordered, um, uh, vac- like vaccine or a therapeutic or, you know, but they're always together. Like it's a dual program and, and actually legally they emerged D- DOD and HHS. So all of these contracts came that for COVID came from DOD and they all, co- and, and the, they specifically DOD contracted with Pfizer and Moderna for, to make sure that these reproductive toxicology studies were done in the GLP compliant manner and everything else non GLP compliant that the, there was no requirement basically so why so why does why is that, I, yeah why is that why is that wrong why is that strange why is that sounds sinister but can you explain, what is unusual about that well because it's a civilian it's a civilian like what does DOD have to do with pregnant civilians yes and children like why are they doing this why are they so doing i'd it? like these fact checkers to, to to explain this to me you know, I have 400 contracts from DOD dispersing uh, about $50 billion for COVID and, uh, you know, ordering all these things. And by the way, they redacted, uh, you know, partially redacted with two types of reductions. You know, the 95% of the reductions are two types. One of them is if this information is disclosed, we are revealing important information about the U.S. weapons system. And the other one is if we're revealing this information, this this is going to disclose information about foreign agents. So, I mean, you explain to me how this is a a health-related activity. So they've redacted it because if they reveal the information, they're saying it will reveal stuff about foreign agents foreign agents and weapons systems so that's why it's confidential mm-hmm. yeah that sounds bizarre and who's darpa uh-huh. what does yeah. DARPA, what does darpa stand for again darpa is a darpa is a biodefense arm of the dod it's it's the dod that does biomedical research and development uh, Barda is another one. It technically sits in HHS, uh, but it's also, you know, militarized arm of HHS. And DTRI's Defense Threat Reduction Agency. They pretend that they work on defensive uh, bioweapons, but in fact, they work on offensive ones. Uh, and so those entities essentially drove this whole program and ordered all these countermeasures for COVID. And that includes vaccines, and but in everything, therapeutics, bio, uh, like blood products and masks and swabs and tests and all of it. So all of it has been ordered through gigantic amounts of money from the Department of Defense. And Department of Defense was uh, formerly Chief Operating Officer of Operation Warp Speed. It was headed by General Perna. He was four-star general with no healthcare experience leading this exercise and and two-thirds of the chief uh you know the 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 leaders and the you know the the high executive positions were all military and the vast majority of them had no healthcare experience 
So what? So so, what's, so explain all this. What's happening? Well, it's war because we, you know, as we were talking before, they announced the war, they deployed the weapons, and the Department of Defense ordered the biological and chemical weapons from the pharmaceutical manufacturers, and then deployed them on the civilians in their respective countries. So hold on one sec. But like, one would argue, why on earth would a government wage war on its own population? Because they were told to by WHO and uh, whoever controls WHO. Um, so WHO obviously is a terror, it's an international terrorist organization, uh, disguised as, as public health and controlled by private individuals, wealthy individuals and families. Why do you say it's a terrorist organization? Because a lot of people say because the WHO is such a... It's such a great organization promoting health around the world to, to you know the third world it's one thing to yeah it's one thing to promote health and another thing is to take over countries okay so they take over countries and they they aim they you know they're currently meeting to put into law that our governments are supposed to give up their sovereignty to who whenever WHO decides to announce uh, a, a public health emergency of international concern. So whatever they just did for the past three years, uh, pretending like it was, they were just all acting in concert from recommendations from WHO. Now it's going to be put into law. So whenever, yeah, that's, whenever uh, Tedros, who is, Tedros, by the way, is, is a he's a war criminal and a terrorist. No, I'm and, aware uh, of that. You know, I'm aware of that. Yeah. So, and so, he's not so, a doctor okay, so either. He's not actually yeah, a so medical doctor. Yeah, so how is that a terrorist organization? It's headed by a terrorist. You know? <laughs> and and I think what you're alluding to is the WHO pandemic treaty, but more importantly, the IHR amendments that they're trying to push through. Are you, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Listen, and, uh, which, by the way, will go through. So they they will they will uh, they they will disregard whoever you know. They 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 don't you know they pretend like this is all you know democratic and uh, that we vote for all of this. Nobody ever voted for them. Nobody nobody no representative ever voted for Tedros uh, the to be the head of it. It's all decided by the wealthy people. They have this mechan. It's a mechanism to to exert control over countries and to pretend like it's all, you know, democratic. And we all decided that we don't need our sovereignty anymore. Whenever they say there is a pandemic of disease X, they, they don't even bother like making them up anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think most of the then, money that comes from them is China, Bill Gates Foundation and other corporations. Mm -hmm. Who are they yeah, actually exactly. accountable so China, to? No, actually China is not, the main fund, like the main funder is Germany, by the way. So oh. Germany is number one. Yeah. Germany is number one. Bill Gates is number two. Bill Gates and Gavi and everybody else that Bill Gates controls is number two. And then right. it's, uh, various other private interests. In, that, in fact, only about 16% uh, of the budget comes from governments. Oh, so it's wow. completely, uh, it's, yeah, it's completely private interest controlled organization yes because they're not giving money out of the, they're, they're not giving money at the goodness of their heart surely no and and this is a mechanism for the likes of bill gates to drive their cherished eugenics agendas all over the world 
Um, and this is what they've decided to do in this case. I mean, this is, you know, yeah, it's another hour long discussion why they're doing it. But suffice to say that I, you know, I don't want to get into the heads of the criminals, but I'm just telling you, this is what I have a very direct evidence of and documentation of that in the United States and the allies of the U.S., military allies of the U.S., they have instituted this framework by which they announce war under the pretense of the public health emergency, and then they deploy weapons under the pretense of these countermeasures. And then so, the Department so, of Defense orders them. So, so in summary, it's taken decades for legislation to change slowly but surely to enable this thing to happen, to be authorized. Mm -hmm. These injections are not yeah. pharmaceutical agents. You're saying that they're like bioweapons countermeasures yeah that have been produced mm -hmm. not they're not pharmaceutical products and they were commissioned by the military yeah exactly exactly so the biggest lie that, that's sold to the public is that this is all about health and medicine in fact it's not about health it's war and it's not medicine it's weapons they just call them these names and because some talking head on the tv comes on and says it's a safe and effective vaccine, like, please turn on your brain and realize that they're lying to you, that they can, you know, you can call things anything like Alice in Wonderland, you know, drink me and she drinks it. That's how majority of the population behaves. You know, just because it says drink me on the bottle, use your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I always say to people, if I came up to you, you know me for years. If I came up to you with a syringe and needle and said, I want to inject this in your arm, would you let me? And they go, no. I go, why? They go, well, I don't know what's in it. And then I say, well, why mm -hmm. did you take the shot? And they don't have an answer. Mm -hmm. They don't have an They're answer because like, the TV told them. The TV told them. <laughs> so can I yeah. just check, outside of the US, are these products pharmaceutical products or not? Are they deemed pharmaceutical products? It's in the UK. Uh, is is this mRNA jab a pharmaceutical product or not? I have not looked specifically at the UK law. I know that in Europe they use the same countermeasure framework. I'm pretty sure that in the U in the UK they use the same countermeasure framework. Now the regulator just basically in the US what they did the FDA just lies and says, "Oh yeah, we approved it," and they come up with paperwork that says it's approved but uh, no that's that's by statute by the u.s law it, it's they, they're not you know <laughs> like the u.s law says that it's it's inapplicable and fda says oh we approved it so they basically impersonate the authority to regulate something that they don't mm. regulate and they write up a whole bunch of paperwork to say oh you know we did it but none of it actually like if you if you properly go through court and litigate it, uh, it will it won't stand because the the U.S. law is very clear that these things reside outside of the regulatory frameworks for uh, in consumer I protections. Think for I think it's something similar with the MHRA. They they they're meant to safeguard the public and check every product, but I don't think they've tested done any quality control, looked at the data, no. they'll point their fingers mm -hmm. and say, oh, no, that's the NHS or the, or the Ministry of Health or 
And then the Ministry of Health will say, mm -hmm. no, no, it's the MHRA. They're all pointing fingers at each other, but no one's taking mm -hmm. responsibility. They're all making excuses. And and if you go to the mm -hmm. MHRA website, it makes it very clear. We, our job is to make sure that drugs and, and, and you know products, medical products and devices are safe and regulated. But I don't think they've actually done anything. They just put the rubber no, stamp they haven't on done it. Yeah, they they rubber stamped it. They never they have not done anything. Uh, like the the approvals were a sham, basically. So we we have also I have a lot of I reviewed a lot of uh, documentation which was leaked uh, from Pfizer approval from EMA, and there are exchanges between uh, email exchanges between um, FDA and MHRA and EMA. Uh, basically coordinating, oh, you know, we, we're going to approve it, we're going to approve it. Like before they even saw the data, they're coordinating the timeline when they're going to issue the approval. So it, clearly it made no impact. The data made no impact. So the some data, some like kind of fraudulent, So hold on, there were leaked, leaked you, you said you, there's leaked documents showing the mm -hmm. FDA and the pharmaceutical aid companies were confirming the date that they were going to approve it before the FDA had even seen any data? Not the pharmaceutical companies, well, also pharmaceutical companies, but importantly, FDA, MHRA, and EMA all exchanging emails with each other. Oh, wow. Coordinating when they're going to, yeah, uh, before they before anybody saw the data. And uh, and they're not even, you know, so, so basically they just needed uh, these, packages, as I described, like completely fraudulently put together packages to arrive at certain point in time, like days before they were going to issue approval, where it takes them, you know, typically months to review a package, you know, like years to put it together, then months for the regulator, like six months or sometimes 12 months to review something like this because they they typically like normal regulatory packages constitute you know hundreds of thousands of pages and terabytes of data that the regulator needs to go through and it's you know huge number of people you're, on the by these packages side. by these packages you're talking about evidence documented evidence to show the studies to show the biodistribution studies efficacy and, and quality quality control manufacturing yeah. control I mean, the evidence, a dossier, yeah. a huge dossier, boxes and boxes of evidence to yeah. say, look, we've made this, it works, here's all the evidence, and you pour through it, and that mm -hmm. obviously takes a lot of manners. Yeah, it takes a lot of time, and uh, the, the time was not at all honored. Like, they could not even, so, and that time was also prescribed by law. Like, this is how much time you have to do this. You know, so it's like all this stuff is so rigid and regulated that when they started just, you know, like doing this bullshit exercises, which obviously are bullshit, like you can see that they, you know, we just announced it. And then a few months later, we have all this package. And I'm like, this is just, you know, it does not happen that way. It cannot happen that way. And again, that's my beef with all the colleagues from the industry i'm like don't you see this this is just you know insane i got and, two questions uh, i got two questions <laughs> sasha do you think there was intent to do harm yes absolutely absolutely what evidence, what evidence do you have for this well, the evidence of it is that, uh, you know, even if you can say, okay, like all these people, all these, uh, you know, clowns at the FDA and the MHRA, 
you know, let's let's forget about Peter Marks and whoever, like, you know, June, what's her name, Rain. Uh, but the underlings, they didn't realize what was going on. They didn't realize that they're participating in the crime. They didn't really, you know, after you've seen what transpired and this goes on for three years, I mean, you know, and you professional, you're expert in this, you know exactly what they did and you keep supporting this and you keep like nodding along and saying, oh yeah, 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 it's safe and effective. Everything was fine. You are, you're, you're doing it intentionally. So like you've had enough time to consider, and I, you know, I'm talking about the professionals. You've had enough time to consider what's going on. You had enough time to see people die from remdesivir, enough time to see people die from the vaccine, getting injured, getting miscarriages. Even if you started with it as being deceived yourself, after three years, you're participating in it intentionally because you've considered it already and you decided to continue. Have you have you seen that they've now put it on the childhood schedule, six months onwards? Yes. Can you yeah. can you, so, what, so, what are you so, what are your thoughts on that? Well, they they only do it for the liability protection, and they still are afraid to ship uh, approved product in the U.S. because the, even that is not enough. They know that that's such a sham. That what even do you mean? Say that again. The, Say that again. In the U.S., if it's this is only done for liability, for protection of liability from the manufacturer and everybody involved. When they put it on the vaccine, uh, vaccine on a childhood schedule, then, you know, it becomes like it's impossible to litigate at all. Like you have to go to a special court. Uh, that special court is, is horrendous. Uh, they never like you have to prove that your child was injured. Like. You know, it's just this stems stems back. This stems, yeah, this stems back from the the law I think passed in 1984, 1986 by by President Reagan. Is that the is that the one Mm -hmm. that made all these pharmaceutical companies national? Yeah, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund, which these shorts are still not on that list. You know, I well, I haven't checked recently. I have to check actually. But when I first checked these vaccines were not on that list. And that's when I found out about the countermeasure status of them. Uh, So while technically today CDC put them on the childhood vaccination schedule, still the uh, approved version of this product, the FDA approved version of this product was never made available in the United States. It still is EUA because they want to make sure, they want to maintain that legal protection that they have from using EUA countermeasures. They need to be EUA so that none of these laws would apply. EUA so like, stands for yeah. EUA stands emergency for emergency use, use authorization because it's an emergency. Yeah. We can skip all the important rules and regulations, mm-hmm. the safeguards. We can take shortcuts because it's an emergency. People are mm-hmm. dying. This is a pandemic. It's an emergency. We mm-hmm. don't have time to do all the silly, you know, sensible stuff. You know, we can we can rush this. And they're saying, mm-hmm. even though the pandemic is officially over, I think Biden stood up and said the pandemic's over. You're saying that the EUA is still standing and they haven't mm-hmm. gone through the official process yet? So they're still not shipping the community in the United States and uh, they, have not, they haven't shipped it. They're still doing the BioNTech experimental EUA version. Uh, although nobody, I mean, they're now trashing it, like nobody's, uh, using it anymore. Nobody, like, 
people people wisened up. I mean, we've won the information war and we stopped it. And you know, but uh, you know, nobody is using it anymore. Uh, but they're still like pushing it on pregnant women, on children, on babies. They put it on the childhood schedule. So think about it. So it crosses placenta. So when the mother is pregnant and vaccinated with two or three shots. Uh, and then the baby before six months receives another three shots. So it's six, three shots, six, dose, six doses for the baby. Oh, and also through the breast milk. And, you know, they just absolutely need to make sure that the baby's vaxxed up to yin yang. And, you know, that is the main target. They want to prevent these babies from growing up and they want them damaged, you know. That's what, sure. what the ultimate goal was. Sasha, but surely this will have a massive impact on the economy and the health, having all these injured, They don't care about sick. that. So the economy, nobody cares about the economy uh, because the financial, uh, financial and real economy has, again, we can spend another two hours about this, but the financial machinations and uh, money supply is completely divorced now from the real economy. So when we talk about, you know, people and people's health, that's concern of the real economy. So like how productive is the you know, person healthy, productive or sick and not productive. And that has very, very little impact, if at all, anymore on what's going on with the financial sector because it's gone so much into the debt territory and um, printing money uh, yeah. and making fake money and introducing fake money through all kinds of non, non-monetary non things that it has no relationship anymore with each other. So that's why I'm saying they, they don't care what happens with the real economy. And there's a lot of incentives for them to actually destroy that real economy even more. And so that's what that's what's going on. They want to destroy the population. They especially go after the elderly because, you know, those are the consumers of the uh, government um, uh, social Pensions. security and things like that. Pensions. Yeah. Uh, uh, their own, you know, federal workers and military because they're also very large consumers of those. And uh, pregnant women because they're the next generation. So they need to to destroy that also. Uh, and so that's 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 what's going on. They're just you're going, we're, we're going into crazy. We're, we're going into the crazy depopulation conspiracy. Do you think it's true? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the primary conspiracy misinformation spreader. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it is a depopulation. <laughs> it is intentional. Uh, whoever is the mastermind, and and I also, as I said, you know, vast majority of of the people who are actually, you know, executives committing this crime and all the underlings beneath them don't necessarily realize what they're doing, or at least didn't at the beginning. They should by now. Uh, many are just, you know, their heads in the sand and whatever. But the vast majority of them don't realize what they were, were doing from the beginning. Uh, but the masterminds are doing it intentionally, absolutely intentionally, pre-planned for many, many years. The system was put in place and they just flipped the switch in, in 2020. So this is, I've, I've had discussions with people and they go, Ahmed, there's no way that the government could be so organized and, and, and competent. You don't understand, Ahmed. Civil servants, politicians, they're incompetent. They're stupid. They can't organize mm-hmm. a piss up in a brewery. You know, these people, you can't get them to do anything. 
they're 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 it's hopeless. The ones, they're, yeah, yeah, it's the it's the parts of the government that public is exposed to are by design always, and this is not like an, a recent development. This has been, you know, you can trace it to hundred years. Uh, the the parts that you you as a person exposed to, like a DMV mm. or you know uh, whatever is like parks and recreation or you know whatever department you deal with as a person, usually those are hugely incompetent and just like dim people. Then there are also dim people at the very very top. Like they, they, for example, head of DOD, Lloyd Austin is not a very bright bulb. Uh, the, you know, your, your heads of, heads of whatever departments, they're also not very bright bulbs. Why? Because they're figureheads. Biden is senile. Why? Because he's a figurehead. Mm. Typically, there is a middle layer. Uh, that are extremely smart, extremely competent executive. Uh, in the U.S., it's it's executive service. So about fifteen hundred people who are executive service who are rare, rarely visible. Like Fauci was not visible for all his career; he only became visible at the end. And now it doesn't matter. He's going to retire rich and famous, and you know nobody ever going to touch him. But that's what they are. They're like like Fauci's. About fifteen hundred of them. They run the whole thing. They don't care who right. is in charge. They put figureheads, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, and they do the same the thing. The deep state. So this is the deep they state. Run the, the deep state, yeah. So the deep state, but you as a person will never be exposed to them. So you don't know that they're actually smart and competent and organized. You think that they're like the DMV or like Biden, you know? And so that's that's why everybody thinks the government is incompetent. And, you know, they, they are they're correct in the sense that all these like you know figureheads on top and then underlings on the bottom yeah they're like you know doing their but it's it's all like so regimented and so so they they cannot do anything themselves they don't have any decision making power but the people who do have decision making power especially when it relates to money they're extremely competent and extremely organized but you'll never see them wow okay what about trump He's still going on about how great his warp speed and the vaccine. He's not back down. Is he just incompetent and an idiot and badly advised, or is he part of it as well? I think he's part of it. I, I, I don't think he's that dumb. I mean, he's also not like particularly intelligent, but at least he's not senile like Biden. Uh, and, you know, to some extent smart. Uh, but he is definitely in on the deal. Um, he probably personally benefited and profited from these products. Uh, and he's just playing for the same team as the Biden. It's just a different performance art. That's really quite depressing. But it kind of makes sense. Well, he, started, he pulled the trigger. He started the whole thing. He, yeah, he oversaw the suspension of our constitution. Uh, and I think the reason he was put into that position, he was manipulated in elections just the same way. I mean, elections have been manipulated for a very long time before 2016. And uh, he was manipulated into this position just as Biden was. Uh, and that was specifically so that he could start this um, this this uh, Operation Warp Speed and suspension of the Constitution. Otherwise, the Republicans would have balked. And 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 and, that, and th this was uh you know when Trump did it the Republicans went alone and Democrats always like oh the big government loves me and you know 
Um, so that that's why, um, that, why that's why, why he was put into that position. I never understood why Trump didn't sack Fauci. Surely he could have sacked him. Well, that's the same because, yeah, because he's, well, first of all, uh, the president, you know, Fauci is not fireable, but he could sorry, have. Sorry, why is he not fireable? Uh, because the deep state executive service, like the president has no ability to do anything about it. He's a federal um, employee, and, isn't, isn't he? Yeah, but the, the executive service, they're not fireable. Uh, as I said, these 1,500 people, forget it. So he, he couldn't really fire him, but he could, you know, limit him and he could have produced, you know, certain, uh, like definitely, you know, for example, not like shutting down the country during this lockdown. Like he was not obligated to do that. The uh, and he also had, yeah, mandates. He, well, he wasn't pushing for mandates, but he was like enabling this whole thing. And, uh, the, but the lockdowns he did authorize and lockdowns, it's like, you know, you, you uh, deprive the small businesses, uh, of yes. their income, the schools that, you know, it, it, that just like tramples all human rights and bill of rights that we have. Right. Uh, so he did that. Uh, he, he had good advisors. He had Scott Atlas for a short period of time and then he got rid of him. And why? And I mean, when I saw that, I was like, well, what's going on? There's the only sane person here. Who's Scott Atlas? He's a doctor from, a professor from Stanford, who was at some point uh, advising him during this, uh, you know, on the the pandemic, on coronavirus measures. And he was the sane voice. And and, uh, also Dr. Paul Alexander, who is now like, you know, but he's still like, Ex, you know, doing excuses for Trump. But anyway, so he they, they, he did have competent advisors who were completely sidelined. And but Fauci is there, and Burks, who is by the way, was a, a State Department. She is a Department of State. She's a spy. She's a you know operative. But she was represented to everyone as health. You know, this lady from Health uh, Department, uh, Deborah Burks, the lady with the scarf. You know, uh, so her and Fauci were, you know, he, he would, he would bring them on stage and, and, and worship them. Right. You know, these, these experts, uh, but the, the same advisors were completely sidelined. So, so you cannot convince me. Yes. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. So, so that's basically like, that's why I'm saying he was in on it. He knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, while, you know, he's not an expert in vaccines or, or medicine, but he did suspend our constitution. So as a, as a president, you're, you know what you're signing off. So he used Stafford Act, which was never used before to suspend the constitution, to start this public health emergency, to start the lockdowns, to, to, to do so this whole system. So as a president of the United States, you have enough legal counsel that can explain to you what is it that you're signing. And you should have known, you know, there is that standard also. He should have known. He had all the resources, all the advice, everything that was available to him, including very sane people who were there. And yet he went along with the insane ones. Yeah. I always question that. He surrounded himself with neocons as well, which I thought was bizarre. Mm -hmm. And um, he 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 never did lock up Hillary Clinton. 
He never he never pardoned Julian he, Assange. You know, he had Bolton uh-huh. in his cabinet. You just think, what the hell? What the hell was that all about? He talked the talk, but uh-huh. he didn't walk the walk. Yeah, and Peter Navarro, so what, and you know. So what about Bobby Kennedy? Is he someone we can trust? I I trust him. Uh, you know, I've I've talked to him. Uh, I know him a little bit over Zoom, uh, and I, I I trust him. I think he is a very well intentioned person, very smart. He understands all this very well that I've described. Uh, I've been on his podcast. Um, so he he is on our side as far as like a person. Now, whether he can win the presidency, that's it's you know even if it was a if it was a fair election, it would be hands down he would win. You know, absolutely. I, it's not going to be a fair election. The number one, yeah, I, number I two, think, even I think if the, he, yeah, I was going to say yeah, the even, idea even of democracy. He, the idea of democracy in our countries is just an illusion. I think. It's an illusion. Yeah, the the elections are not completely not not fair. They're completely manipulated. So, um, yeah. you know, but even if by some miracle he does become a president, mm. I don't know. You know, he needs to have a really solid team and other people um, supporting him. The problem is that yeah. our government is so sold out mm. to all these interests that I just I don't even know what he can do getting there. Uh so, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, it remains to be seen what, what happens. Sasha, is there anything we I haven't asked? You know, is there anything in your brain that still needs to come out about this whole topic? Is is there anything you want well, to? Well, I can talk about it for another three hours. I mean, there's many more details and many more. You know, maybe if you gather Roughly, some questions. What, what, or, what, what, what nuggets? What key things have I missed? If you have ten uh, well, minutes, covered, what would you want to tell me? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I kind of have to jump on another call, but, um, okay. you know, the, the, we've covered all the key things. I'm just saying, you know, I can, I can discuss more of the documents and evidence and, uh, you know, the roles of everyone. Uh, but, um, you know, I just encourage people to subscribe to my Substack because this is where where I publish all the materials and evidence and, um, discussions. Please do. So, so tell... Tell all the listeners exactly where they can find you, please. So Substack is the main source uh, of information. And uh, Substack is a, is a website where you can publish long form articles, So, which is what I do. And it's very, very interesting. So it's not just me. There are many good writers there. Uh, uh, so you can find me on uh, my name, sashalatipova.substack.com, or my Substack is called Due Diligence and Art. Um, so you can find me there and you can read my publications and um you know first two months are uh, free then they get archived so like you get all the new articles for free uh but after two months i archive them i unarchive some key ones um and uh then then it's a subscription based but you can you you know if you want you can get all of it for free uh going forward sasha can i ask you What's driving you to do this? You you told you said that you've left the industry. I take it you're comfortable, you're settled, you know, you're financially secure. So why are you doing all this? Well, you know, I as I said from the beginning, I started doing it because I saw it as a huge wrong. Uh it's a genocide. Uh and there is no there is no 
protection. There's no legal protection from genocide. So people keep saying, oh, you know, but we can litigate Pfizer and we can, you know, litigate this and that. Uh, no, <laughs> this is a genocide. It's done by the government. Nobody gets prosecuted for genocides. If you think about it, the Nazi Germany, how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of professionals participated in the crime directly. And, you know, millions of people participated by just compliance and looking the other way and uh, ratting on their neighbors. Okay. And, you know, seven doctors got hanged. So the odds are largely on the criminal side. You, you know, so so that's why I'm, I'm doing it. I am talking to the public, you know, the public, whoever wants to save themselves, they can save themselves by very easily finding myself and my colleagues and everyone else who is speaking against it, like yourself, and they can get the good information. Um, so that's why I'm doing it. I'm what's, this the tangible, so you what's, can, what's the tangible thing that a person in the public can do now? What's, the, what's your advice to them? What uh, can they do? The tangible thing is to first understand how this crime is committed. Talk to your family. The tangible thing is you can protect yourself and you can protect your family. You can say no to this uh, and you can find resources of how to fight for yourself. Like fi fighting these mandates is not as difficult as, you know, people think. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, so, e you know, easily my son goes to college. He never had to get vaccinated, even with the college mandates. We just wrote a letter. Okay. How difficult is that? And we can give you templates. We, you know, there are all kinds of resources you can access. And so you can protect yourself. You can protect your family. You can be educated about this. You can be, you can find much more information about how to stay healthy, you know, how to, how to live normal life and how to fight against this, because all of this is done by criminals, by mafia. They have no legal right to do this and, and you can fight for yourself. Basically say no. Resist. You just say no. But we, but, but people like us, we explain and we can teach you how and we can provide resources on, on how to do it. So that's why, you know, turn off your TV, get off Twitter, get off Facebook. They're just using you, but, you know, poisoning you with all this BS and uh, and political advertisements. Why do you, Why are you giving them your life? Why are you giving them your time? So you can get rid of all of that, go for a walk, be outside, exercise, eat healthy. If you need some information, there are alternative resources like alternative media, you know, podcasters and, uh, you know, Substack writers, plenty of different places you can find this information. Sasha, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I hope all the listeners really enjoyed this. Please, can you visit my website, www.docmalik.com? And um, subscribe to the show. And if you can support me on Patreon, I'd be very grateful. Sasha, I hope I can get you back one day. It was um, quite an <laughs> eye-opener. Thank you so, so much. Bye, everybody. Mm -hmm.